Well, good morning, City Light. Everybody doing all right this morning? Good. As Whitney mentioned, my name is Chuck, and I get the privilege of serving on our advisory team um, with other guys in our church like Greg Bachman and Jason Wilson is on that team, and of course, we have Doug and Eric that are on that team. Um, We get together every month, and we talk about and uh, we pray about what God is doing and what we hope that he does. And I consider it a privilege to serve in this way and have enjoyed being a part of a team that really believes that Jesus is still working that really believes that God is still moving and we aren't just punching a spiritual time clock and going through the motions. You know, we're in a time of year right now when it's it's appropriate to take inventory of the blessings that God has poured out on us. And I want to let you know that I think of City Light often. I love this church and I love the mission of this church, which is to make disciples and plant churches. I love the story of this church, which began over two years ago when Doug and Eric felt that it was the right time to see what God is going to do in this city. They and their wives and their children, they stepped out and they faced uncertainty, they faced adversity, they faced trial, and thank you, Lord, they faced blessings. The things that have happened since the fall of 2015 can only be explained by saying that God is at work. We've seen people come to Jesus that families have been praying for years would come to Jesus. We've seen wives and children experience the joy of seeing daddy engage Jesus and lead their families in worship and devotion. We've seen hearts renewed and we've seen lives changed over and over and over again. We've had the privilege of baptizing over 30 people in our church. Come on. Come on, right? Let's celebrate that. That's awesome, right? But can I humbly yet very passionately say that it's not enough? I want more. I want more stories of men seeing the beauty and majesty of Jesus and being drawn into a relationship with him. I want more stories of women who have felt jaded and betrayed to see the beauty and majesty of Jesus and have their hearts renewed. I want more stories of children who are presented with this amazing Savior. And they give their hearts to him at a young age. Guys, I want more stories of teenagers that, have, uh, that, that choose Jesus and know that Jesus is a better way than what our culture is offering them. I want more of this stuff. I'm hopeful that you want more as well. Let's not feel satisfied or let's not get complacent. Let's not think we've arrived because there's a lot more to be done. There are disciples that have yet to come to Jesus, and there are gospel-centered churches that need to be planted in this city. Jesus, would you renew our hope and our faith in you to give us the faith that you're going to do more than what you've already done? Amen? Amen. Well, 
have you guys ever been on a journey or had someone get in your way or something get in your way? Maybe on your way to, to grab something for dinner at the store, or maybe you were out on a date with a, your significant other, and someone or something gets in the way. Well, this happened to me when our kids were small, and we, had, uh, we lived in Dayton, Ohio, and we had some really good friends of ours, and their, their kid was four or five, I can't remember exactly how old he was, but it was his first big birthday party. You've been to those, right? And we were invited, and it just so happened to be that it was on a Sunday afternoon, right after our worship gathering, and nothing's changed, right, Jen? I mean, I'm still that guy who has to go out and talk to everybody between here and the door, and so um, I'm running as late. I'm making us late. So we get out the door, and we hurriedly rush to the car. We get the kids buckled in our Aurora, and we make a beeline on I-675 in Dayton and head toward, head toward uh, Miamisburg. Now, I've got about six minutes to get 25 miles. What? Well, I can do it, right? I mean, every guy in this room is saying, hey, I'm up for that challenge. So... I'm, I'm rolling along in the fast lane doing about 90 miles an hour, literally. I was probably doing about 90 miles an hour. My wife is freaking out. And it's, the roads aren't too busy. It's not terribly busy. And there's a car, and then there's a T-bird. And the hammer lane seems like it's clear, so I just lay it down, and I'm rolling. Well, the T-bird comes over into my lane, and he blocks me. And I mean, I'm upset now. I'm flailing my arms. I'm like, come on, man, get out of my way, you know, acting like a total jerk. I can see the color of his eyes through his rearview mirror. I'm up on his bumper that close. My wife is like, slow down, slow down. And man, I'm just not paying any attention. I'm going nuts. Well, he finally gets enough of me and gets out of my way. I hit the gas again. I'm back up to 90, almost, keyword, to my exit. And guess what I see up on the right-hand side? That's right, an Ohio State Highway Patrolman. And he does this number as I'm rolling by. You know, he's got me pegged. And so I get pulled over, get a ticket that costs us about 200 bucks. And in spite of all my best intentions, I'm late to the party. I look back on that story, look back on that event, and I think... What that guy in that T-bird was trying to do, I think he's trying to warn me. I think he's trying to prevent me from getting a ticket because he had no reason to come over into my lane. Well, this morning, I want to kind of get in your way. As you're on your journey of life, I want to get in your way. I want us to consider what might lie ahead. And that's what Nathan does here with David. Nathan got in David's way. At great personal risk, Nathan, in obedience to God, he steps in and he gets in David's way. David is on a trajectory that seemed unbelievable a short while ago. David, the giant killer. He's the defender of the faith. He's the conqueror of kingdoms is made aware that he is a rapist and a murderer. Nathan gets in the way and he causes David to push the pause button. Well, how did David get here? What's the point of looking at this story? 
Here it is. I want, to see, I want us to see two things in our time together this morning. I want us to see the danger of blessing. And number two, I want us to see the joy in repentance. Let's look at the story. After Nathan points out David's sin, the Bible goes on to say in verse 7, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. And then he asks the question, why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? Nathan points out here that David has received an abundance of blessing. And as we found out from last week from Doug's message, he wasn't satisfied. Did you catch that? In spite of experience, experiencing all of these good gifts from God, David wasn't satisfied. And I think what we see here is what happens when a person loses sight of what they've been called to do and they begin to look for satisfaction in those blessings rather than God himself. David wasn't where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. At a time when he should have been out taking ground for his kingdom, he gave that responsibility to someone else and stayed home. Why? Simply put, he became satisfied and got complacent. David no longer valued his relationship with God as his primary relationship. And therefore, he was no longer driven by the mission that God had called him to do, and he got bored. He went from enjoying his relationship with God, which drove his mission for God, to finding satisfaction in the gifts of God, and then being bored with the mission of God. There is always a danger of enjoying the gifts of God more than we enjoy God himself. And that's what I think happened here. You guys remember Eric preached a message as we began this series on David. And you remember some of the words that he said? Remember one phrase that he kept saying over and over? You are not David. Right, you remember that? You are not David. The reason we, that we kept saying that and the reason he kept saying that is we need to understand that we are not the hero. Jesus is. Jesus is the one that defeats the giants. Jesus is the hero. But in this story, we most certainly are David. We are the ones who have sinned and fallen short. We need to repent of our sin. But to be honest with you, at this point, I'm actually feeling pretty good about myself, right? Uh, David appears to be way worse of a human being than what I've ever been. Would you agree? I've been married to my wife, faith, my wife faithfully for over 25 years. I've never organized a conspiracy which ended somebody's life, right? So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. So even though I'm not as 
good as David has been, I'm definitely not as bad as David is right now. I would be willing to bet that I'm probably not the only one in this room that feels that way. But hold on for a minute. Maybe we can relate. And here's what God showed me this week. Earlier I said that the danger of blessing is that we begin to look at things to satisfy us more than God himself. Remember that? So what was it that David found more satisfying than God himself? What good gifts did David value over his relationship with God? Now, I'm I'm sure we could find many if we were to throw it out in discussion in in this room, but two of them that I want to point out are his influence and his power. His influence and his power. Rather than using his influence and his power to continue to pursue and to advance the mission of God, he used those things to fulfill his lustful desires. Did you see that? He used those things to fulfill his lustful desires. Nathan tells David, look at everything that God has given you, and you used it for this? You despised God. David used his influence and his power for himself rather than being driven to worship God, continue his mission, and bring him glory. Folks, there's a danger in blessing. God is generous in so many ways, City Light, and he intends for his people to be a generous people. God's good gifts are intended to be a taste of himself. To his people, which deepens our relationship and drives us to worship him. Let me say that again. God's good gifts are intended to be a taste of himself. To his people, which deepens our relationship and drives us to worship him. Now those gifts should then flow through his people to be a blessing to others and tell the story of his greatness. God's blessings are not meant to serve ourselves, but to point to the goodness and the greatness of the creator of the universe. Did that happen here? No, that didn't happen here. God's blessing of influence and power to David stopped with David, and he used them to serve himself. And this infamous story of David and Bathsheba is the result. So now, I think about what I have in common with David. And I see I just need to ask, what resources has God given me that I am misusing? Maybe another way of putting it is, what am I doing with the blessings of God? That's a question that we can all ask ourselves, right? What are you doing with the blessings of God? And I'm hopeful that the Holy Spirit is quietly speaking to you about how you have been sinning against God by misusing or not using the good things that he has given you to bring him glory. The moment that David heard Nathan say, you are the man, he felt the weightiness and the severity of his sin. We know that in part because verse 13 tells us that David said, 
I have sinned against the Lord. And my prayer is that each of us in this room right now is feeling that same type of weight. The danger of blessing is it's a danger for every one of us individually. And City Light, I believe that it's a danger for us collectively as a church. Folks, God has moved, and he is writing an incredible story in our church. But may we not be guilty of looking around and being so enamored with his gifts that we stop worshiping him and begin to feel like we're entitled to those gifts. And then we become so entertained by the things that we do something that we would never thought we could ever do. City Light, our mission is to multiply disciples and plant churches. And we've got a long way to go, a long way to go. Our city needs more gospel-centered, Jesus-loving, spirit-empowered, Bible-preaching, life-giving, story-changing churches. We've just begun this journey, and now is not the time to let up and to look around and say, look what we've done. Now is not the time to slow down. So, what do you do when someone gets in your way and tries to warn you of what may lie ahead? Well, hopefully you're not like me on the way to Chuck E. Cheese and throw a fit and ask them to get out of your way. And then put the gas to the floor. That's not wise. That's not what David did. David responded by turning from his sin and turning to God. We call that repentance. The old-fashioned word for that is repentance. We find David's personal prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. Take your Bibles and turn there with me. Now, we see in 2 Samuel that there's a danger of blessing, number one, right? Two things I wanted to get across, danger of blessing and the joy of repentance. So we see that in 2 Samuel. What I want us to see in Psalm 51 is there is joy in repentance. This is one of the Psalms that tells us exactly in the, in the description. It's tied directly to the sin of David and Bathsheba. Look in the, the description. It says, to the choir master, a Psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him and he had gone into Bathsheba. Verse number one, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This is what repentance looks like. David humbly turns to God. He prays for cleansing. He confesses the seriousness of his sin and he pleads for renewal. Then he turns a corner in verse 12 and he prays for God to give him his joy back. He says, God, would you give me true joy? You see, David was weighted down with his sin. And that's what happens when we turn from God and turn to sin. It weighs us down and we become slaves to it. It's a heavy burden that we can't bear. So, I want to tell you a story to illustrate what repentance may look like, what it's looked like for Jen and I. I've told many of you about my love affair with food. Whew. Boy, do I love food. <laughs> Founds out, turns out I love a lot more things other than food. 2017 has been a year that God has really been wrecking me. He has shown me deep-seated sin that I have been feeding for years. He has shown me how I have taken his good gifts, ceased to worship him with those gifts, and then I begin to serve myself. An area in which God has, I feel, gifted me is the area of work ethic. I was taught from a very young age that you work. I was the 10-year-old kid that after a snowstorm came through and dumped eight inches of snow on the ground, as soon as it ended, I was up and down the street with my snow shovel, knocking on doors, asking people if I could shovel their driveway or their sidewalk for five or ten dollars. Um, in the summertime, I was the kid that was in the neighborhood pushing a mower around on a circuit, uh, mowing grass for 5 or $10 a yard. I always had money in my pocket. The problem was is I wasn't really concerned with how I spent that money. Why? Because I could always work, right? If I ran out of money, I could always work. You tracking with me? So fast forward 35 years. And I've discovered that instead of my strong work ethic leading me to say, God, you're good. Or, thank you, God, for a strong back and a strong mind. I look around and I say, I want that. I want that. And I want that. Um, I look for ways to spend money on things that for at least a moment satisfy me. This has gotten me into some bad spots over the years, and it's affected our giving. Uh, it has hurt our marriage, and it has negatively affected our family. I bought cars that I shouldn't have bought. I bought houses that were beyond our means. We would go eat out instead of when I should have gone to Aldi and gotten some groceries and bring it back so we could have a meal at home and take a movie in on the, on the DVD or whatever. I bought a lot of stuff that I thought would satisfy me. But in the end, it just puts me in a bad financial position. 
What did I do? I used God's good gifts to serve myself. So my wife and I were talking about our finances in our kitchen this past summer, early summer. And there was a moment in that conversation that I realized I've failed. I've sinned. I misused God's good gifts and I sinned against him. I was behind on car payments. I had to make payment arrangements on other bills and we weren't giving toward the mission of God. I realized that I'm a slave to stuff. At that point, I understood that the things that I've accumulated were not able to satisfy me. So I looked at Jen and I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry for failing her in this way. And, she, and I asked her to forgive me and she very graciously did. And then I remember her asking, what are we going to do now? And I said, the only thing that made sense at the moment, I said, to ask God for help. To ask God for help. And then she said, why would God help us when we've done this so many times? I said, Jen, I don't know a whole lot, but I know this. God is a good God. And he's a good father to his children. So we humbly turned to God. We prayed for cleansing. We confessed the seriousness of our sin. And we asked for God to renew our joy in him. Now, I'd like to tell you that our ship came in. <laughs> or that a rich uncle died and left us a bunch of money. And took care of a lot of things that we're struggling in. But that's not what happened. Uh, that's not what happened at all. For us, repentance means no cable TV. It means figuring out a budget and sticking to it. It means looking for ways that we can sacrifice so that we can give financially to the mission of God. It's not glamorous, but I can tell you that we have found that there is joy in repentance and that that joy overflows our cups and spills out into the mission of God. There is joy in repentance and that joy leads to mission. You thought I forgot about mission, right? Well, Psalm 51 doesn't let us forget about mission. After David's joy was renewed, he says this. Look in verse number 13. He says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Look at verse number 15. O oh Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. After David repents and his mission with God is made right, his joy is restored and he gets back on mission. Instead of feeling complacent and entitled, David now has joy and renewed mission. Folks, there is joy in repentance. So where do we see Jesus in Psalm 51? Jesus is the hero. Where do we see Jesus in Psalm 51? Where do we see the gospel put on display? I want you to look in verse number 16. He says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God 
are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. David is telling us that our efforts and our sacrifices do nothing to change our standing before God. But then he does, and then he tells us what does change our standing. See, David knew of a coming Messiah, and he looked forward to, and he trusted in that Messiah. And David had his own way. Remember, he says, I would like to make sacrifices, but you're not going to find any worth in that. David had his own way, but he trusted God's way. God is pleased with a broken and contrite heart. Contrite is an old-fashioned word that means remorseful. David is saying here, don't come to God trying to work it out your own way. Come to him with brokenness, with remorse, trusting that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. And knowing that if you put your trust in him, in the midst of your brokenness and remorse, it is enough. Oh, City Light, I don't know how this message has landed on you, but it has shown me that when I misuse or abuse the blessings of God, I've never gone too far. And then if I repent, there's forgiveness, and then there's joy in that repentance. Let's pray. Oh, God, we just want to thank you that you have opened our eyes to your grace, that you've opened our eyes to your goodness. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us. God, I pray, Lord, that you've used this to draw hearts closer to you. God, show us our sin. Show us the gifts that you've given us that we're misusing or abusing. But let us not rest there. Let us not live there. May we repent and turn from that and turn to you through Jesus, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.